And, you know, when you're so insecure, think you're better than everyone else to be mentally tougher because you're so insecure about yourself. When that facade breaks and that ego breaks, like, shows you kind of how weak you are. Like, you know, it's like, not, it's not necessarily say weak, but um, how much issues you had that you were covering up with this, you know, facade of ego of being mentally tough. That was Thomas Dade, and this is the Running Deep Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Goochgoo. Goochgoo is a multi-use unisex anti-chafe barrier cream for ultra-distance athletes such as myself, triathletes, adventure racers, and any other sport where friction can occur. It's water-resistant, reef-friendly, and its antibacterial formula ensures that you stay active and away from the sidelines. Now, Goochgoo has actually worked closely with some of the best professional athletes in Australia to create the perfect solution to chafe, which in turn came up with an all-purpose balm that may soothe, repair, and protect the skin during prolonged physical activity both in and out of the water. Now, this is a personal preference of mine, and, and one of the things I really like about this brand is that the chafe bombs actually, you know, it, it's made with no nasties. So there's a lot of love that's put into it. And that only means it's made with premium organic ingredients, which I, I absolutely love. And, you know, if you know me, I use this stuff pretty much every single time I go for a run or a ride because I have big tree trunks as legs. So I, I chafe all the time. And this stuff has pretty much saved me from chafing. And, you know, I, I, look, I love the, I honestly love the stuff. And I wouldn't get, uh, you know, a, a sponsor like Gooch Goo on if I, if I didn't really truly believe in it. Now, this brings me to the main point. Gooch Goo have kindly given you guys, the listeners, a discount code for 10% off your total order, your entire order. So use the code, two words, running deep. That's one, running, two, deep, two words at checkout for 10% off your total order. Two words, running deep, 10%, it's all yours. Get a discounted chafe balm. It's amazing stuff, guys. Why? Because chafing sucks. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to the Running Deep Podcast, episode 26 with Thomas Dade. Really, really stoked with this conversation. Um, Tom is an absolute legend. Really, really nice guy. And, you know, we talk about a lot of things to do with his life. Of course, if you don't know Tom, he is a endurance athlete, a big endurance athlete. I think he's, oh, he's done a lot of races. Um... Just to name a few, I've got Coast to Costi, 240-kilometer race, a Down Under 135, which is a 135-mile race through the Lurdy Derg in Victoria, which has about 13,000 meters of elevation. He's done the Unreasonable East 200-miler and the Great Southern Endurance Run, which are all, I think most of them, are Australia's biggest races. Um... But yeah, of course, we, we, we touch on that. We also really dive deep into, you know, 
Tom's upbringing, you know, not being good enough, anorexia, mental health, um, and how they all played a part in what he does now with his um, ultra running. And we really touch on this year as, you know, his year of slowing down and just enjoying the run. Um, Because you'll get to know a bit more about him throughout the episode. And yeah, I I really, really enjoyed this. And, you know, it's hard for some people to come on here and, you know, get vulnerable, you know, with a random guy on a podcast. It, It sometimes can be tough, but I think we had a really, really good conversation. And I, I hope you all enjoy this dialogue between me and Thomas Dade. Enjoy. Okay, now we're recording. Take two. We're doing right. it. Um, <laughs> once again, as I said before, before the little mishap, um, thanks for doing this. Thanks for coming on. I know you're busy. I know you've got a lot going on with your training and whatnot. Um, and, you know, as I said, you know, it's taken, what, six months to do this. So we're doing it, we're having the conversation, and yeah, super stoked to have you on. Um, now, as, as I said, you know, at the start, well, when everything or before everything <laughs> happened, <V1. laughs> um, you know, I want to paint a picture. Um, I want to touch on, I, I don't want to go into too much detail with the ultra running, but at the same time, you know, I, I want to grab bits from your story with the ultra running and sort of relay that back into your story growing up, um, especially with the mental health aspect of things. Um, because, you know, as I read, you've got your website there and I read through and I just reread again, um, you know, anorexia, because I, I didn't, I know what anorexia is, but, you know, I didn't realize that you're actually hospitalized for it. Um, mm-hmm. Same with the depression as well. So if you want to sort of, yeah, give us a insight and sort of, I don't know, keep it, try and relate it back. You know, I guess everyone that listens to this podcast They'll find it relatable, but you know, I want you to connect with the audience because they're just like you and me. Yeah, 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 totally. Well, you made me think before if, when we were just talking before, and I was explaining it. I was like, oh, I felt like I was rambling on a bit. So, um, I feel like I'd say I've what I've realized as I've gotten older is the anorexia, especially back then, was like uh, very much like a coping mechanism for me. Mm. Um. It was like I didn't feel good about myself, and growing as like a teenager, as low as you kind of have that. Some of us might have lower self-esteem as a teenager, and mm. for me, um, not not eating and exercising more to make myself look better was a way of coping. Um, like I'd feel better about myself if I didn't eat, or I'd feel better about myself if I did, you know, a big training and things like that. Um, and you know, we all have our own coping mechanisms and mm. uh, that for me that just was a very unhealthy one that I kind of got into and that came I think for me because younger growing up I was very self-conscious about how I looked and mm. um, largely because of just comments I'd get from my brother and things like that um, and being in always being a sporty kid I was always looking at fitty kids and my heroes looked fit and mm-hmm. I felt like you know I need to be like that and to feel good about myself I needed to look like that, be like that. And so when I wasn't feeling good about myself, um, you know, just growing up and, just, you know, we will go through that, that was kind of my coping mechanism. Um, and 
So I think for me, it was just, it was made worse by kind of my, I've got a very stubborn and pretty driven personality. Um, again, that kind tell. of came from my dad yeah. kind of always in a, yeah, in a good way. He was always kind of like, if you're going to do something, do it the best you can. You know, all the sports I did, things like that. He'd be like, it's not so much, it's just as long as you're being the best you can do and you're working hard and it doesn't matter, which is a great message. But at the same time, it meant I was basing everything on how hard I was working and mm. um, doing everything to the best of my ability. So if I wanted to be, look like this athlete, um, at the time I thought, well, that's to have like no fat on you. Um, and, you know, because that's how you kind of, as a kid, you kind of look at all these athletes, like, I need to look like that. And back then I'd look up like, um, you know, how do you get a six pack abs? Well, it was like, it's not, not do core exercises and stuff. It's lose the fat because it's covering your abs. But mm. as a 14 year old, I didn't have the muscle maturity or anything like that yet. Um, so yeah, being that stubborn driven, I just kept going and going. And so we're part of the you know, anorexia kind of comes into it is I never looked in my head. I, I still never looked ripped enough or I never looked mm. how I thought I should look. And I just kept going um, until, yeah, I ended up having to be hospitalized um that a mum and dad and stuff though to them it, it i was still eating it was just um very cautious with what it was so mm. on the outside from my parents they didn't see it and they didn't know anything about anorexia themselves so it didn't seem too bad to them it was just me being healthy um mm. but what they did notice was the like depression and anxiety um, you see psychologist a few times that being again like a stubborn 14 year old male is like mm-hmm. no nah, get fucked i'm not listening to you <laughs> uh excuse mm-hmm. the language i'm not what i'm sure i'm to swear on this um oh no go for no get for you but, uh, yeah that's right yeah yeah i was pretty much like yeah get fucked I, i'm yeah not listening to you uh, that type of thing to psychologists um but then it got to the point where i remember um it was like a Saturday night and dad cooked us like a stir fry and um, it, was, it tasted really good. So I ate it. <laughs> and then, but after I realized he put in honey and honey's high in sugar um, mm. also. So, and that completely threw me out, made me really upset. Went for a walk and just like starts kind of break down, just crying and stuff like that. Cause I felt so bad about eating this like sugar that I didn't think was in it. Um, mm. and things like that and just became overwhelming and had no other real like healthy coping mechanisms and since I'd already been training and all that type of thing already I was tired and I just couldn't couldn't go run more or anything to burn it off so I kind of I just was like I've kind of had enough and it was like you know it was kind of contemplating suicide um, on this specific one and I remember I got back and uh, went to like the um, the washing where the washing machine is and all the washing detergents and um, mm. you know uh, turpentine and all that type of thing is and put together like a concoction of like I think it was Fuck. mineral turpentine methylated mm. spirits and all that type of shit um, put it in a glass and like had it like to my lips and then I just I'll thank fuck I was just like nah I'm not I'm not doing this and kind of like scared myself like wow like that just got close I don't know if it would have killed me or whatever it would have done but it wouldn't have been would have done good some either fucking way. damage then, yeah exactly mm. so then I was like okay I need to tell dad and then dad pretty much um, took me to hospital um, just um, like to the emergency center 
and then they, that's when I kind of got through the depression properly, mm. like officially. Then they got me seeing some people, um, and then they kind of like noticed my habits, and then they thought I'm potential of anorexia. Then eventually, mm. they got me to see another specialist at Monash. Um, about two weeks later, mm. psychologist, and then. From there, they're like, all right, you should get some tests done to make sure you haven't been doing any damage to your body. And you know, I was underweight um, and stuff like that to see where I was at. They took me to Monash Hospital to do all those tests. And from there, it was like, you're not leaving. Um, hmm. Like, because I was about, about the same height as I am now, but I was 53, 54 kilos. Right now, hmm. I'm pretty, like, I'm lean and still pretty skinny and i'm 75 76 so you, so, you were um, very very skinny yeah very sick and my wow. blood pressure especially my standing posture or blood pressure was completely out of whack and um later found out like more hormones and that type of thing was pretty mm. out too so yeah they said no you're not leaving um put me on bed rest for four weeks i'm um, in hospital i remember the wow. first i had i had swimming the next day that day i, I thought i'd didn't think I'd be staying at hospital. I had swimming the next day, and I remember I tried tried running out of the hospital um, the first first night. Um, it was like, nah, I'm mm. swimming. What are you talking about? And I still didn't understand how serious it was at that point. But um, that was where it was like, that experience was really, it was like overwhelming, but also really eye-opening because you were with a group of other, you know, kids your age. I was 14, 15 at this this age, other kids, they were all um, females, but second, third time they'd been in and just seeing the extreme lengths that they would go to, like would, would eat together and things like that. And they mm. would hide food in their hair, keep it at the back mm. of the mouth and try and spit it out when we'd go back to bed and all that type of thing. I was like, shit, like I'm here as well. Like mm. this is, this is where I'm at. And it's so serious, yeah. that was type of the eye opening um, experience so that was kind of like the peak for me um, mm. so I was in there for four weeks where they get you like physically better um, and then it's the mental aspect that you've yeah yeah and even then even so they kind of get you like outpatients again for how long you need for me um, I just pretty much did because I didn't want to go back in there and I also was aware, also being like a male with anorexia too, like I didn't want to be skinny. Um, like I wanted muscle and stuff on me too. I, so I knew to the point too, it was like, well, I can't be doing this if I want the physique I was looking for. So um, it was hmm. say like easier for me than the females to get physically better because I didn't want to be skinny. Like hmm. I still wanted the muscle, but that also made it, harder for me um to get over it mentally properly because i would do everything that i'd say they need me to do and tick all the boxes and um but the psychologists and stuff weren't actually aware that they nothing was really getting better I was new things um so it was at least keeping me physically healthy but i wasn't fixing anything up mentally so even mm. when i left the outpatients afterwards I still wasn't really um, like necessarily better. Um, mm. I wasn't. I never that, went yeah. deep into why. Then, like you know, just like to go back, you know, especially with the suicide thing, 
And I think this sort of plays in, this is a good segue into, you know, what I'm going to talk about next is, I think, again, my, 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 I have a love-hate, everyone knows, I've got a love-hate relationship with social media. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when, when you're at that point of you're going to take your own life, you know, it's not like social media glamorizes it if that makes sense, you know, they make mm. it like you can bounce back from this and, yeah. you know, stay hard. And, and it, But I don't think people realize until you're there that it is a very, very dark place. It, it, it's not mm. this, you know, motivational music behind it or anything like that. You're alone, it's dark, and you're about to, you're about to kill yourself. And there's nothing, yeah. you know, there's nothing special about that place. No one ever wants to be there. And, I think it sort of now it sort of plays into this with you. Like the first time, because I, I listened to a few podcasts on you because I was really interested in the Down Under 135, which we'll eventually get into. Um, you know, I used to live in Melbourne and I know that sort of area. When someone said, oh, you know, there's 135 mile foot race through the Lurdy dog i was like that's fucking disgusting like that's <laughs> really really hard and then i saw that you were i think yeah you you won it listened to a few podcasts and then look clicked on your page and it was the first time i actually reached out to you uh and that the part i want to you know really touch on is that sort of depression and that what you went through um you know as you know like i reached out um talking about you know the self-harm sort of things with the coat mm. hanger and that yeah you know my my version of that was you know i used to punch my, <laughs> yeah well everyone knows this on the, it's an open book on this podcast you know i used to if i was frustrated or upset with my life or just upset in general flustered whatever it was i i would just fucking i would punch myself as hard as i could in the face and the legs and the body just to feel something different mm. um you know, and when you put up that post that, you know, you'd whack yourself with a coat hanger and shit, I just, that's the connection I had to you was like, uh, yeah, I fucking, I get it. I fucking get it. And again, brings it back to that, you know, some people like to glamorize it and, you know, oh, you know, I came out of the mental health hole. And it's like, that's a fucking amazing because it's the glamour, the glamorization of it isn't the best, but, you know, to the people who have come out of it, it's so fucking hard it's mm. so hard and to deal with everything that's going on up there so if you want to explain like really paint that picture of what you know those episodes would look like yeah so um well to, to you just before that like suicide or the co-hangers um like when i was whacking myself like that for me, the self harm thing was actually hasn't happened a whole heap. Like that was literally, like majorly the only major time I've done something like that. Um, mm. Because I've been so. But to your point with how you're feeling, it's like, yeah, it's not a. It's you're right. How it's been glamorized. Like it's such the word best words you can say. It's just lonely and. Um, hell like, yeah. <laughs> You feel stuck, like, and there's no, you don't see any, like, hopeless, and there's no, there's no, there's nowhere where anything gets any better. You can't think of anything. Everything is just, everything Dark. is just horrible mm. when you just, there's no. And so, 
I feel, for me, that's where the self-harm came in because there was, like, in that time, it was like I couldn't think of anything to feel any better and I guess just to feel something, I'd start, I'd, like, I was mm. whacking the shit out of my wrist with the coat hanger, just, like, just something because, like, it was that or, like, what, kill yourself and I know that I mm. know, like, if you attempt anything like that, for me, what's always kind of stopped me is the chances that I actually be successful is pretty small, and then the consequence of not making it through is like worse. Like, mm. you know, if I was to jump off something, once if I survived, then I could be a quadriplegic, or mm. you know, you drink the chemicals or whatever, and then you burn your insides, but you're still like, I just the the risk has I've never that's what's always stopped me. So I feel like, at least for me in that situation, the self harm was really and really unhealthy coping mechanism to come out of that dark um, place because it's, yeah, it is. Like, there's no, <laughs> like, there's no, you know, shit like Goggin. Like, I love Goggins and everything, but there's no stay hard motherfucker in that situation. Like, that's not, oh, yeah. not going to do shit. You, you do that, it's, it's just, you're like, you know, there's no, nothing I can really say. It's like yeah, one of those things yeah. that it just has to pass. And, and that I think that's, yeah. you know, that's a massive one. What you just said, then you know, it it will pass. It is just yeah. you know, an episode. I, I just call them episodes. Um, you know, for me recently, I've I've just got a fucking issue with alcohol. You know, I I really do. I as much as I try to sugarcoat it and tell people that I'm all good. You know, I I went sober for a year, felt really good, and I thought, oh, I'm better now, so I can have a beer. One beer turns into two beers, two to three, two, yeah. and I'm pissed. Then I want to get a bag, and I, you know, I don't tell anyone. Everyone knows that part of me. Everyone knows it, and just recently, you know, I was in that fucking hole. I, and I, because of what I've been doing and all the work I've been doing, I knew how to sort of get out of yeah. it and pull myself out. You know, the other day, you know, it comes back to that, you know, glamorizing, I'm watching on TikTok fucking motivational thing whilst i'm in it and i'm like this is doing nothing for me like yeah. i really I've, I've got i'm thinking about suicide i've got uh, you know having an anxiety attack and it's not it's just not pretty it, it's it's a fucking dark lonely place and you get these people that you know like even i said to you you know re reach out if you ever need something and it's like fuck I find it so hard to reach out to some people yeah. because it's that, and I don't even think it's a male mentality. I think it's a you know societal mentality yeah. where we're burdening people, not but just as males, but I think you know just in general, we feel like we're burdening people with our issues that we need to deal with by ourselves. And it you know again brings back to mental health, and people sort of look at it like it's you know airy and fairy and where it's just fucking dark. It's just really, it, it is It is hell. It is fucking hell on earth when you're ever in that fucking bad place. Yeah. Um, so it bring, you know, and then to sort of build the story here, you know, you did the real Kokoda Trail in Papua New Guinea. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, from what I was just reading on your site and, you know, talking to you and whatnot, you know, was... Was that one of the pivotal moments where you sort of were yeah. like, "This is this is a new path for me." Yeah, yeah, 
For sure. That was, I honestly, that was probably one of the most life-changing things for me. Um, mm. Because uh, it it showed me how much more capable I was. And mm. for me, what of my <laughs> mental thing has been such about self-esteem and mm. not but just believing I'm just, you know, shit and things like that. And so completing that challenge, like, and for me too, I try to do it the hardest way. So it was like a five days as fast as you can, kind of real long days. And that gave me like a, like finishing that and I, how hard that was. And there were so many times I thought, like, how am I supposed to do this? But somehow I got through. I was like, you know, what else am I leaving? Like, mm. what, what, like what other things I thought were impossible are possible. And if this was doable, like what else, um, yeah, like what else is doable for me? And like, if I can do this, then like, what does that say about me? Like, maybe I'm not so bad. Maybe, you know, I, I am mm. like, just not a piece of shit, you know? <laughs> um, and so, and so that is what started, like, what else can I do? Uh, which started creating um, healthier, healthier way of coping as well because um, challenges that came after and stuff required kind of training and stuff um, that was more specific and not about burning calories or health and fitness type of thing. It was actually um, like trying to get better at something, um, mm. which... Had, which gave me more confidence in that area, which then gave me more confidence overall in all other areas of mm. life, which then made me happier. So it was just kind of like a kind of like just a, a domino, yeah, down the hill, yeah, yeah. And then that eventually went to trying to be better, like mentally and stuff too. So then I started to look back and things in the past that have affected me, and so it was a whole, which you know, it's nearly like. Being a psychologist is just kind of self experiment, like learning stuff mm. myself. So, in that way, um, it started all that. So, and then I guess this is you know a good pivot point into exactly what you do. So, you know, uh, for those who don't know, um, you've run some huge fucking races like. Big, big races. So you, you've done down under one three five, which is what two hundred and is that two hundred and like thirty kilometers? Yeah, about two twenty. Yeah, two twenty to two thirty. Yeah, two hundred and twenty kilometers with thirteen thousand meters of elevation. Yeah, and then Costa Costi, which you recently just did. Which is a that's a dream race of mine, so that's two four two hundred and forty kilometers with five thousand meters of elevation or five thousand four hundred meters of elevation, and then unreasonable east, which I think three hundred and twenty k. Yeah, two hundred miles. So yeah, three three twenty about that. Yeah. Oh my god! And then the great was it the great southern endurance run? I oh, great southern endurance run. Yeah, so that's that's a hundred miles, one hundred and sixty. And it's about nine thousand meters, ten thousand. Oh it keeps changing the course. But I think when I did, it was about eleven thousand. It's changed a bit. So, out of all those, you know, what? Or, uh, there's plenty more in there that I haven't mentioned. But out, like, what was it? What's a key race 
that really tested you um, mentally and physically? Because I've seen like you do a 50K in four hours or whatever. You, you can do a 100K like, but out of those big, big races, what was something that really pushed you and, you know, made you question if you could actually finish it or not? Yeah, yeah, it's funny. Out of all of them, the hardest I've struggled mentally, not physically, mentally, would have to be the Krusty Cozy one just recently. No, I was follow. I was follow. And, I, was, I had an yeah. inkling that was going to be it. Yeah. So that yeah, if you want to tell first, us, yeah, yeah. Sorry, you go. Oh no, if you want to take us through, oh. like, because you've done the like, even the Lurdy Derg, like. I've seen, you know, you're basically bush bashing and I thought that would have yeah. been the hardest, but watching, you know, the recap and the, the stories, I think your partner was posting in that, I was like, fuck, you've, you're yeah. really hurting on this one. It's because it's all, all up here. That was, that was where I was at mentally for Cozy Cozy compared to the other ones. Um, so nearly every ultra I've done, I've always felt like a big advantage I've had. Um, and why I've been able to do them is because I've had to prove to myself that I'm worthy um, mm-hmm. and that not finishing them meant was like, that was, that was the end. Like if I don't finish this, then I'm just a piece of shit. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, but by Coast of Cozy this year, last year, it was, um, this is where things have kind of changed for me in general is I had, I had, I've done enough in the area where, um, I don't need them anymore to be worthy, to be good enough. Mm. And um, combine that with like, I just got back from Worlds in Thailand, like my first ultra run in Thailand. So I was feeling good about that. And I also had heats of races back to back. And I was, I was mentally fatigued so from that as mm. well. But the main thing was, was like, and like I was going well, you in just, with Sorry, you just cut out a tiny bit there. I don't know. So say, say that bit again. Yeah. yeah. So, Sorry. Yeah. So I was just saying, like, if I didn't finish Cozy Cozy, it'll suck. But I know I'll get over it, and it's not the end of the world. And so, mm. um, going in, going into it like that, um, made it harder because I wasn't, I didn't have that that grit, and you know, that would get me through a lot of the other ones. Mm. Um. Also, and also, as I said before, just like the whole mental fatigue um, from all the other races and just pushing, like pushing myself all the time. And it just kind of reached a, like a climax, like goodbye and, and just work stresses and life stresses. And mm. it's been kind of hectic uh, change in my life at the moment. So it was a whole like, accumulation of things um, that, Led to Coast to Cozy, but it was the first one where I, yeah, first one ever where I was like, I'm, like I told my partner Mel, like I'm not, I'm done, numerous times. I've never had that in an ultra before. I've never said I quit. I never said I'm like going anymore. I don't need to go any further. And I did that. Like I can really probably count on two hands the amount of times I said that um, mm. to them, but um, they kept me going. So, um, yeah. That's why that would have been the hardest one for me. And like just going back, you know, being that not worthy, like where do you reckon that sort of stems from? Because I, I've got the exact same mentality. Like if, yeah. or I did have the same mentality of if I don't, fit, like I've DNF'd 
fucking so many races now mm. and i'm okay with that like dealing with a dnf it's it's just a run i keep reminding yeah. myself it's just a fucking run like you know you post on social media but no one no one six months down the track gives a shit like you know, and it, it's you know and we all get caught up in it you know the external val <coughs> sorry <coughs> the external validation of posting something like that and you get all the you know amazing comments and people really supporting you but then down the track it, it's just another yeah. run it's it's no just really, yeah and no it becomes really a personal thing yeah except except yourself but when it comes yeah. to you know not being good enough where do you think that sort of stems from you know especially growing up and usually yeah. for me it was a you know family thing or just not feeling good enough not being told i was enough um so for you like is would it be the same or something different pretty similar now i've gone back so like i want to say like, i grew up at my parents are great like they yeah they did their best and they were awesome and i you know great childhood overall things like that um but um my dad he, he i don't i haven't realized this till i've gotten older but he was very um judgmental of other people um mm. and in particular like values mm. um so more like kind of like honorable kind of values or like again like what i was saying before about like work ethic and um and things like that and i think um i i guess as a growing up i never he, he, i guess he never reinforced um at least at least as a kid i didn't take in um the oh. or, um as as much as the positive reinforcement that he put in compared to the negative mm. um that would he would give me so i to break it down keep a long story short uh, I never felt worthy to my dad in he's like, at least I thought in his eyes, you know, and he's, you know, it's not like something he come, you know, your dad would come up and say, say you, you are good enough, you know, mm. things like that. So, um, subconsciously, um, I've always, I've not felt worthy, I believe for that reason. And then add in like my older brother, like all brothers and siblings and stuff, mm. he'd always kind of like put me down and, you know, again, like, me fat and things like that and i'd always like take that on the board so i'd always try and do things to impress him and but it was still was never enough for him either so i'd all the people i really thought like looked up to i never felt um like worthy to them or good enough and so um i believe as like i'm not a onto again like, like physical ability um like, and what I can do physically has always been, like, my values of how I rate mm. if I'm worthy enough. And so doing these huge things, like, that everyone considers a big, you know, like running 200 miles, 100 miles. Like, if I just do those, then I'll be good enough. I'll just be worthy then if I can just do 100 miles. But you see this crazy run in, uh, you know, the Lerda Dirk, then I can do it. The hardest one in the Southern Hemisphere. Do that, then I'll be good enough. Mm. Um, and... Now I've just said that, it makes me like the thing with, I think, Cozy, around Cozy Cozy around then, I, and especially when I did the Worlds, I realized like, hang on, I'm just getting this bigger and bigger and it's not making me any better. <laughs> like, I don't feel worth, it hasn't made me feel any worse. Yeah. I feel the same. Oh, yeah. I feel the same after this 
two after the dust has settled after 200 mile i feel the same about myself as i did before i ran my first ultra like i still am not worthy so this clearly is not going to end so something you know needs to change like this isn't it and so like with Coast of Cozy and even ultra running now, like what I th- what thought was the solution were these values that if I put all this effort and time into will make me feel better. I realized, oh, hang on, nah, this, they're not. Like there's bigger things. And so that's kind of yeah, what that's, yeah. that's really, really nice to hear. Like especially from you and what you've done. It's just good to get that perspective on it because I don't think fucking anyone admits it like no that's why i have a thing with david goggins and you know cameron haynes and that is i think people misconstrued the message he gives is go hard go hard go hard but i honestly think he's got some fucking deep-rooted trauma that he hasn't dealt with and he's using as a coping mechanism his runs his big endurance runs and you know you hear the whole thing with you know you changed addictions or you you know you're, you've changed coping mechanisms and for me and it sounds like for you running in these big races what ended up being a coping mechanism and yeah. there, there are times where you know you do a run and you feel really good after it and you, you have great thoughts and you sort of come out of it and that's the positive side of it but then there's the darker side especially what you just mentioned then is that you know a lot of people you know whether it be on social media or not, a lot of people use it as a coping mechanism to not deal with them. You're literally running away from your problems. Yeah. And I found that in myself that it began, you know, I did the 100, I've only done one 100K, but I've done quite a few 50s and I would finish the race and two days later, I'm like, this hasn't, this hasn't done anything for me. This really hasn't done anything for me. And I, I truly believe I needed to DNF you know, the Noosa 100K and a few others to really open my eyes into why I was running. Because I, I, I could have pushed through and could have hurt myself and that, but I realized it's not the be-all and end-all. I've, I've got to start, you know, internalizing what I'm feeling instead of using the modality of running to just not think about stuff. You know, yeah, and and I think it brings it back into you know, for you, have you DN like have you DNF'd many races before? Yeah, yeah, I've so well. One was <coughs> uh, an injury, kind of like an injury was about twenty k or so in, and I, like I did, I was like I didn't, but it was more so. I don't want to DNF because in a couple of weeks I have another one I'm supposed to run, and if I don't do this yeah. then. Like, it's just going to make it worse for that. Um, I think the other ones, like, there's a backyard ultra. Like, I don't know if that counts. Uh, yeah. Oh, I guess everyone did. Yeah. 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 Um, and but that, how do you, so yeah, oh, yeah. And the, there's another one. Anyway, sorry. You, um, so, how do you, how did you deal, like, were they, like, for you mentally, was it, oh, fuck, I've DNF'd, I'm a failure, yeah. or was it like, yep, yeah, this is, this is what has to happen if I want to? be better or yeah, be, the, be good no the no no the one where i put out 20k yeah that was like oh i'm a failure because uh i at that time edited myself on like how mentally tough i was hmm. and so and, and at that time i hadn't dnf'd i'd never at least in my head 
never given up on anything before. Mm. And even though it was like for a better cause, I was like, I could just be making an excuse to be pulling out. So after that, I, I actually got depressed pretty bad for a couple of weeks. Um, mm. It was like, well, it was like an existential, existential crisis. I was like, mm-hmm. shit, like if I've just DNF, then I'm not this unstoppable mental person. Like I can give up like, like everyone else. And like, mm. so my ego was all like, my ego is a big thing too. Like I thought, Oh, I'm better than everyone because like I can just do all these races and mm-hmm. not give up. Like how tough am I type of thing. And so when that happened, it was kind of like a kick up the ass and being like, Oh shit. Like what now? Like, I don't, who am I? <laughs> who am I? If I can't, you know, so that did for a couple of weeks. I was, I was like pretty depressed afterwards. Um, and like I didn't know what, what to do, like what was up. Um, mm. You're uh, human. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know when you're so insecure, you think you're better than everyone else to be mentally tougher because you're so insecure about yourself. When that facade breaks and that ego breaks, like shows you kind of how weak you are. Like you know, it's like not it's not necessarily say weak, but um, how much issues you had that you were covering up with this, you know, start of ego of being mentally tough. Yeah, and ego is the enemy and I've really tried to keep that in check with anything I do. Just like I've always had humility in everything I do that I'm not unstoppable. I'm human. I get tired. I, I'm not David Goggins. I'm not going to push myself to, you know, absolute failure because there's no need to do it. And again, mm. Instagram tells us we need to do it and, you see all these, you know, big wigs running around doing these massive things, and we don't need to do it as long as we're happy with ourselves. And it looks like, you know, to change gears here a bit, especially watching your story and you recently put up a post to really slow down, rest, mm. recover, and brings it back to that groundedness. It looks like you are doing the work. Like I've, I've watched, you know, from the last couple of years, watching you go from exactly what you've just described. You know, I could see you were doing these all these big races, which was fucking phenomenal. Just to watch you finish them, I mean, you could see the photos and the race recaps. It's absolutely fantastic. But I knew, and like with most you know people like yourself who have gone through some pretty heavy shit, that it's it's covering up something. And from what you're saying today, it sounds like you're really starting to you know self-actualize and realize that, you know it's a lot there's a lot more out there than just running and it's yeah. grounding yourself now in the here, not looking to, you know, looking towards that next, next race. It's, you know, what, what does slowing down mean to you? Like yeah. that post that you did, what, what's, what, what does that look like? Yeah. So I want to quickly say something about the ego too. I don't feel like ego is evil. I feel like it's just how you use it, when you use it and being aware of using it. Uh, this is just my opinion. Um, like, for instance, like, you, you are going for a run and you're training for a run. Um, and, like, for me sometimes, like, I'll be 100% honest, like, even like, the body image has been an issue for me. Sometimes if I'm hyped up and, um, like, I take my top off and I know I look pretty good, I'm, I can use my ego to run faster because I'm feeling good mm-hmm. about myself. Um, and like the whole look at me, whole ego is out. But I think the nerve that you're doing that, 
um, mm. and that that is like something you are doing, I think can be a useful tool. But I mm. think so I don't want to say it's completely evil. Um, it's just being aware, and it's a constant like you get it wrong, get it right, okay, yeah. struggle. But anyway, it's a, um, yeah. to anyway to to your point, um, you were just asking before about what's slowing down yeah so um for me it's kind of taking back control of my life so i feel Mm. like subconsciously as you're saying is all these running things i was doing them felt like i had to it wasn't like i was telling myself i have to do it it was just like a drug it was like i'm signing up for this event i'm doing it because it like it's like endorphin rush it makes me feel good doing this signing up for this run then doing the run what's the next one do it again like completely repeating it and you know, I needed it to be to be happy but once kind of as I said like the end of last year I kind of got to the point where I'm like nah like I don't need that anymore like this is no longer um I guess like the drug isn't as good as it used to be like I, I know um kind of got to the point is like okay what what do what do I actually want from running like what what like what are the goals that I want? Like, do I still want to run? And if I do, if I do actually like ultra running, like what do I want to do with it? Because I, I don't want to just keep doing all these runs anymore. So for me, it, it actually became, Oh, I actually see, so want to see how fast I can actually get at them. And that isn't by constantly breaking yourself down to you know make your ego feel better by being like this epic badass that can run 50 Ks every week and, 100 mile back to back like that's not actually helping me achieve my goals so why am i doing it like it's actually mm. more discipline and again that was one of the like disciplines of thing for me to it's actually more discipline to be doing less because that's harder it's harder for me to take a step back and not to enter that race and not to give in to that drug addiction so mm. for me it's it is doing less races and um even but more when i'm training i'm doing more specific runs like you can do, I can do 160k week and it looks like I'm, you know, to everyone else, to the ego, like you feel great about it. But it's harder for me to actually do a, a 60k week where I've got three speed sessions and then one easy, like one easy session because like mm. it's just harder to do um, and requires more discipline. So for me, it's actually been more specific um, and going for certain races and being faster, but not because I have to, but because I actually enjoy it, and that's because you want to, yeah. Because I want to. They're like these are the races I want to do, and they excite me. Um, and like, that's pretty much what it looks like. Like, and again, that's why I've got like a, a big swim coming up in two weeks because I've got you know like I've always liked swimming and um, things like that. So, and I to that point too, is I I still I I don't want to say like I'm. I don't think it ever will be a hundred percent better. Like I still train a lot because it mm. still is a coping mechanism, but I'm trying to find healthier ways to have that out. So like, instead of all riding, I'll do some, I'll do more swimming and more riding. Um, mm. And even then I'll try and I'm trying to start replacing things with other things in life, but that's a constant progress and mm. that comes with it time. It takes time. So. Yeah. It takes like I don't think you, know, for me, my, me and you, I think you know in similar ways, very similar. Like, um, this is the best thing my dad's ever said. 
I'd always get caught up with the runs. I'd always get really, you know, I'd have to go on a long run and I didn't want to do it. And he goes, Kent, take a fucking step back. You know, I, your 160 kilometer weeks and my 90 kilometer weeks. But uh, I would do a 30k Same. long run on the weekend and it would, you know, dad would just say, do it because you love it. Don't do it for any other reason. Don't If you don't want to go for a road run for three or four hours, don't do it. Go out. My, my biggest thing, I love nature. I really love, you know, running in the hinterland where it's a bit cooler, a bit rainforesty, by myself, no cars, just the, the noise of yeah. life happening around you. That's my zen. And I do that because I fucking love it. I, I couldn't yeah. care how long I was out there for. It was because I genuinely loved doing that. And once I took that out of the equation... I started fucking hating it. I really hated running. And then the comparison would come in. The more I hated, the more down the rabbit hole I'd go into, you know, that self-sabotage and start injuring myself because, oh, that guy ran a fucking fast 5K. I'm going to run a fast 5K now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it really took away the actual joy of running and takes away, you know, as you would understand, that real passion to, to be out in the countryside or wherever you run for two or three hours by yourself, no earphones and just be. Yeah. I think, you know, that for me, for the mental health aspect, that it's not so much a coping mechanism with that one. It's a gen, a, a genuine joy for, for running a genuine. So, yeah. You enjoy doing it. Really. So I think it's just do it cause you love it. And if you love swimming, you know, you, you're using the words love. If you really enjoy swimming, Go swim. You know, if you mm. enjoy bike riding, <clears throat> I'm about to buy, you know, a brand new racing bike because I want to ride. I yeah. want to go up and, you know, it's not because I saw some guy do it. It's because I, I genuinely enjoy riding. I genuinely enjoy, you know, bombing hills and going for 100K rides. It's something that I like, so I'm going to go do it. It doesn't have to be running, yeah. but... Um, so, I yeah, think it's, it's sort it's of... really... Yeah. You go. Yeah, I really feel like yeah, it's really important um, figuring out yeah, like grouping things into actually why like you're doing it because, for instance, like yeah, those road runs that you hated. Let's say there was like a you had a, a big challenge you wanted to do because you live love the idea of that challenge and it is like a a sub three marathon, mm. and those road runs you might hate, but they might be necessary for the goal. And it's mm. not okay. and maybe yeah that's something you do but if if it's like if you don't have that goal like if it isn't like a very specific goal then yeah why torture yourself if you don't love it i feel like is that that's, oh, no, that's no. where i sit in those things if, if this is a perfect example of this so i've got um my first so last year i dnf'd my first hundred miler because I got to 58 kilometers. I had an ITB issue. I physically could not run. So I was going to walk it, yeah. get a call from my partner. She's broken her foot. She's with the kids. I'm like, fuck. I guess it's, you know, the universe sort of conspired. Like over the period and the, the build up to that race, it just wasn't looking good. I wasn't going into it mentally strong. I probably was going to DNF without her breaking her leg or her foot. So I went into it. And I was sort of like a godsend that she broke, not that she broke her foot, yeah, but that yeah, I could, it was like <laughs> that I could sign. It was a sign to say, this isn't your race this year. Yeah. So I pulled out and pretty much fell into 
you know, injured, felt like shit. So, you know, my coaches prescribed me, because the BVRT, Brisbane Valley Rail Trail, is 160 kilometres with 900 metres of elevation. It's flat. Yeah. He's doing, I've got to do a lot of road runs, which I'm, I'm, I know I have to do. But at the same time, I'm like, I want to, I, I want to climb a mountain. I want to, you know, yeah. Look at, it. I mean, I know I'm going to be in it for the long run. Like I'm looking at 27 hours to finish this thing, but you know, I would rather it take longer, but in the lead up to actually enjoy the training. Exactly. That's, yeah. yeah. And so that's exactly where it's where its purpose and what what you want, and mm-hmm. that's like. Yeah, like I said, like all the road running, if you hated that, and this is road coaches and stuff different, like I don't, it's necessary to have to do all that for that run if it's just a finish. But let's say if you're someone that wanted to get like 14 hours, go like, you know, it's your your purpose and and why you're doing Mm -hmm. it. Like if if it's the finish, then yeah, enjoy your training before, you know, like that's what you're doing it for. So, yeah, and, and, you know, to, to sort of ease this into the, you know, back into the ultra running, you know, how do you personally, and maybe for the audience and maybe for the person that wants to, you know, knows the 80K mark's going to hurt or whatever it is, how do you get through that pain and suffering and how that sort of translates to that, you know, mental health aspect of things? How yeah. do you use that what do you what are your ways of cope a coping mechanism like how do you get through it yeah um that's kind of like changed over time so initially again it was all um it was like the thing that got me i I felt horrible i just felt anxious the whole time like when i got to that you know sticking point before yuck but i was Hmm. just so kind of mentally unwell that i was like this is still better than not finishing and then like, what am I going to do myself? I don't finish. So I'm going to keep doing because this suffering is better than the other suffering. Mm. Now, though, after doing him a few, like quite a few times, and this is, it's cool. That's why I like, it's like life. It's like what we we're talking about before is like, you know, when you're in that deep, dark place of suicide or hurting yourself, once you've gone through it a few times, you realize it does end and it comes and goes in waves. And, being aware of that during an ultra, it, it's the same thing. Like, yeah, you could be at 80K and still have 80Ks left, but if you're eating and drinking, um, then if you've done it a few times, you know, oh, it's got, it sucks now, but if I just keep going and keep moving forward, like, I'll feel better soon. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess it's just the knowledge that it doesn't end and it comes and goes in those waves. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, like, that self-talk, of like it's this won't last is kind of what gives you at least for me like to keep going and i think you know like first of all i just want to say like with everything that you've said thanks for just being uh, i know it's hard to talk about some of the stuff and i just appreciate you sort of you know going deep on that one like really just saying it all and, and and just being yourself so i really do appreciate you you know, feeling comfortable with doing this. Um, I'm just having a look how much we got for time. I think to sort of, you know, land this, bring it back down or bring it back up, whatever you want to, whatever perspective you're looking at it from. 
what's um what is you know especially what you're talking about with your life and not being good enough and and all the ups and downs to get to where you are now what's something or some things that you wish people knew about you that you know let's like get through all the social media stuff and what you post and that what's something that you know you wish people you wish people knew about you Mm. This is this is a good question, actually. Um, um, I guess if you go like back from the whole social media thing, is like, is that like I'm just like everyone else, and like I'm not like anything special, or you know, I don't have all these like I'm not like some hugely talented like person or anything like that, like that. I like have such like I have so many issues and so many like struggles and things like even when I'm running and and just things like that and then like I know social media sometimes might make it look like it's um even though I try and post about you know the negative stuff and things like that as I can like you know half the time I'm tired you know, like I get up in the morning and I'm complaining to my partner about <laughs> like tired I am and, you know, like then like, you know, we like we have like our fights and things too. And like, is this like, I know this, some of like ultra running things that makes it some people just think yeah, there's like some super human mental can get through everything. And, but it's like, we all have like such, we're so, I think we all feel so alone. And I think we don't realize how similar we all are. And like, even our methods of thinking are all so similar and like, sure, just cause I can finish down under and other people can't and all that type of thing. Like I'm just like everyone else. And like during that race, I'm having all the same mental things in my head and all that type of thing. Like, I guess that's the type of message like, I, I, want to say about myself like i'm constantly complaining and constantly having you know things go wrong and just things like that mm. like just like it's else. so it's that's like that's as much you know with the fighting and being tired and just being a human like it's just nice to hear that like i think we put a lot of these guys up on a pedestal including like for me to you if we weren't having this conversation, I'd still hold you, you know, to a higher standard because I know, fuck, like this guy can do it. But to hear that, it's like, you're just like me, you're just like everybody else, but you just have a knack for running long distances and pushing through the pain. Like it's, it, it, that's all, that's the only divide yeah. is that you got a normal life, you just liked running a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, if it, I like running a lot, someone else might, like, people like they just might prefer to like i don't know like play basketball more or yeah. you know or doesn't have to be sporting so he would just like to be a doctor more like mm. it's just where you just because it's my interest and like mm. i think like this is like yeah ultra running everything because it's so like niche and seen as so like amazing like just general things kind of underappreciated that people mm. might have more interest in as well like to your mm. point Oh, I love that. And, you know, to finish this and sort of land this completely, what's your message to the world? Like, what's your message to my audience? And it can be anything, you know, how to deal with struggles, how to deal with anything or whatever it is. 
Yeah. Um, I have this. I have this thing on my social media, and it, it's just just keep moving forward. Like, I I bought it from Rocky because it was a movie I loved when I was little. But really, at every I just when I go through Ultra's life, like everything, like it's just just keep moving forward, keep putting one foot in front of the other, and if you have like a positive attitude. And you like you literally you just do your best, have a positive attitude, and just accept how things are. Things just work themselves out. Even that, like it just always does. Like any at least any issues you have, like you just keep moving forward and stay positive, like as best you can, um, and just accept how things are, and just things work out. Nice, nice. Yeah, I loved it. Oh man, look. I know we're a bit strong for time and maybe just with all the mishaps at the start of the episode with <laughs> getting things started. Um, but, yeah, look, I'm really glad I got to do this with you and just get your insight into your life and, you know, what you've been through with mental health and everything in between and ultra running and just everything. So, look, I really appreciate you sharing all that because I know it's not easy for a random guy from social media and, and you know, talking about this sort of stuff it's it can be daunting for some and yeah I, I do appreciate you just sort of staying vulnerable and telling me and t- telling the audience and i think that will give a really good insight in, in into you know what is capable and that we're all we're all fucked up in one way or another yeah, every yeah. single one of us yeah. and yeah. i think that's the the beauty of being a human is we've all got some sort of issue something that that might hold us back might not but we're all we're all fucked up (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) yeah not too easy now i appreciate the time and yeah look when tell us when you're on the gold coast we can fucking go if you ever get to the gold coast we can tee up something go for a run yeah that'd be good too easy all right peace